1938, the people of England were troubled and fearful. The Second World War was underway. Hitler had invaded Poland, and it was obvious that they had other conquests in mind. The people of England were deeply disturbed and troubled. On Christmas Day of that year, King George addressed his nation. And at the closing of his speech, he quoted the words of a woman named Minnie Louise Haskins. And the little piece she wrote was entitled, The Gate of the Year. And here's the excerpt that the king read. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. And that shall be for you better than light and safer than the known way. Let's pray. So, Father God, here we are before you. Joining again in prayers that have been prayed as... This church has sought your will. So surrendered we are. Lord, we pray that you and you alone will be exalted and you and you alone will be magnified. Have your way in this place this day, Holy Spirit. We are surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, loved ones, we are here with you this morning as a church family because we stepped out. This time, not into darkness, but definitely out of the boat. And definitely to some water-walking moments. To place our hand in the hand of Jesus, knowing that in his hand it is definitely better than the safety of the shore. So, in my spirit, I know that the Lord has actually given me a specific message for you this morning. But before I dig into it, I have to give you a PSA, a Moore Family Public Service Announcement. Okay? So there's some things you need to know. Now, don't let Daryl know I told you this, but it really matters to him, as people hear our story, that everybody understands that Daryl was not a missionary dater. He was not a missionary dater. I, before we fell in love, I had to fall in love with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean he wasn't a missionary prayer, but he definitely wasn't a missionary dater. We did not get together until after the Lord captivated my heart. I am crazy in love with Jesus. And there are times when the Lord speaks to me in my sleep. I was actually years ago at Lakeshore Camp when I heard a preacher preach, and and he said, I pray before I go to bed, Lord, use even my sleep. And so I try to practice that prayer. And, And a few weeks back, before I knew this day would come to be, I dreamt about it. Now here's the thing. I dreamt about preaching the call and being with you today. But the Lord never showed me the result at the end. But he did give me a message. 
And he did give me specifically a word and a text for this moment. And I say that just to say that with everything within me, I believe that this is a word for you and for us as a church in this moment. On the cusp of the future together. And our text this morning is going to be found in the book of Joshua, chapter 3, and specifically verse 5, where it says, Joshua gives his command to his people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. But before we dive into the text, we need to set the context. We need the background of this. So perhaps you know. There was a period of time for over 400 years that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And God used his servant Moses and his brother Aaron to bring his people out of Egypt and leading them to the promised land. You can read all of this captivating story in the book of Exodus. But let me wrap it up really quickly in the end. After the drama of plagues of frogs and locusts and death, the people of God finally packed up and they were on their way out of Egypt. Then the Pharaoh, who had finally relented and said, Moses, get your people and get out of here, changed his mind. And he sent his army after the Israelites. And so I want you to picture this nation of people stuck between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. And in that moment, the Lord used his servant Moses, and he parted the sea. He held back the water, and the nation of Israel walked on dry land. Can you see that today? See, the Bible plays in my mind like a movie. The walls of water. And the dry, muddy ground. And two or three million people walking across. See, this was an amazing rescue. It was through the sea on the route to the promised land. Now, on the other side of the sea, it took 14,600 days. To make an 11-day journey. That's right. 14,600 days. Or if you want to count that in years, 40 years. It took 40 years to make an 11-day trip. So why so long? Again, you can read these specific details in the book of Exodus. But let me summarize it for you in a word. Unbelief. The promise of God was to deliver his people to the land of milk and honey. And it was deferred 14,589 days because of unbelief. An entire generation had died. Moses was dead. I read one author that said it took one day to get the Israelites out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. 
Joshua has been appointed the new leader of God's people. And the Lord has promised Joshua that he would be with him just as he was with Moses. Joshua is instructed by the Lord to get the people ready to move. The promised land awaits. So here we are with God's people. Joshua has summoned them to come this time. To gather at the bank of the river. And now again they wait. For three days they are camped on the bank of the Jordan. Forty years have passed. 14,600 days are gone. And now the call has come. They gather at the bank of the Jordan and they're ready and they're told to wait again. But this time the waiting can be measured in hours. I've had this thought that isn't it funny that we often say, don't just stand there, do something. But how often does God say, stand there and wait? Stand there and don't do anything. Wait. So they did. For three days, they witnessed the rushing water of the Jordan. For three days, they heard the violence of the river at flood stage. For three days, they became hyper aware that this river that is normally about 100 feet wide and operates as a lazy river is more than a mile wide and it is raging. For three days, they stood there at an impasse. Joshua had orders sent out to the camp that everyone was to keep their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you are with us today and you're like, the Ark of the Covenant, what is that? Great question. Again, you can read the details through the book of Exodus, but God had this Ark built special to carry some sacred things for the people of Israel. So housed in the ark were two tablets that had the Ten Commandments, the law of God written on them. It had the staff that Aaron held, and it had manna, which was food that had fallen from the sky on a daily basis to provide sustenance for God's people. So the ark was representing the law and the priesthood and the provision of God. And it was this sacred thing. It was the presence of God carried in the midst of the people. And so Joshua has told the Israelites that they are to keep their eye on the ark. And when they see the priests move with the ark of the covenant, they are to follow it. Although remaining at a distance, specifically a distance of about 2,000 cubits or 1,000 yards away. Keeping at a distance so that everybody could see what was going on. And Joshua said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, Yahweh has always been a God of wonder. He is a wonder worker. But here, Joshua is proclaiming, get ready. 
Prepare yourselves because God is going to draw near. Something incredible is going to happen in your midst, in our midst. So if you have your Bibles, with that in context, let's go to Joshua chapter 3 together. It is 17 verses, and we're just going to go right through it. I'm going to read from the NIV, just so you know. Sometimes I switch it up, but I do love me the NIV. So early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you've never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel, that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go stand in the river. That's important. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites. No? No? I tried. I tried. The Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jezebites. So there are people in this land. This land that has been promised is inhabited and Joshua is saying, watch, because you're going to have confidence to know that God will drive them out. He's going before you. See that the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And then as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth, set foot in the Jordan... Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. So when the people broke camp and crossed the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who were carrying the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water stopped. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerineth. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabeth, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan. And they stood on dry ground while Israel passed by until the whole nation had, completing, had completed the crossing on the dry ground. Here in this moment, 
for those of us who are familiar with the stories of what God did to deliver his people, this is simply just one more time God parted the water for them. But for this generation, but for this generation, the story of the parting of the Red Sea was a tale 40 years old. It had happened to their parents. For them, this was their moment. See, among them, only Caleb and Joshua were left that had taken the journey from Egypt now to the bank of the Jordan. This was God doing it all over again. And this time, not for their parents. This time, not for the generations past, but this time for them and for the future. Loved ones, I believe God is calling us to a couple of things here. See, God has done amazing things in the past. He has done countless amazing things for me and my family. He has done countless amazing things for you and your family. He has done countless amazing things for Northview Community Church. He has been faithful and he is good. And there is no doubt about that. But for the Israelites on the bank of the Jordan River, the crossing in this moment marks a transition in the life of their nation. The crossing requires a new faith experience. For you as a church, for us, this is a moment of transition. And it is a moment that requires a new faith experience. In light of all that the Lord has done, and in anticipation now of all that he will do, the call to us is to consecrate ourselves today. So what do I mean by that? Other translations talk about purifying yourself before the Lord. So what do we mean about that? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be spiritually alert. And be set apart for his work. See, this is a call of personal repentance. It's a call of corporate repentance. It's a call to individually fix our eyes on Jesus. To corporately fix our eyes on Jesus. To personally become spiritually alert. To corporately be spiritually alert. To be set apart individually and as families, but to be set apart corporately for the mission of God here at Northview Community Church. The flood stage of the Jordan, the raging waters stood between the people of God and the promised land. And I want you to notice something this morning. See, Joshua did not send forth the engineers. He didn't say, I need the engineers. Come on, I need a building plan. I need a bridge schematic. If we don't have time, then we'll take rafts, boats, or dinghies. What do you got? It's not what he did. I think it's what some of us would have thought. 
But see, Joshua recognized that the path forward was spiritual. See, level one, what lies between us and the mission and vision we are called to is not a raging river at flood stage. It is a loud, obnoxious, frightful kingdom of darkness that is set on lies and intimidation. Our way forward is by the Spirit. Our way forward is not by force, it is not by strength, but by His Spirit and His Spirit alone. The way forward is spiritual. Last thing here. We will never cross our Jordan without faith. For faith to be faith, we must move beyond our abilities and beyond our resources. Soren Kierkegaard said, without risk, there is not faith. Imagine being one of those priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Coming up to this raging water, we need to notice God did not stop the water for them to enter it. They had to step down and risk being swept away by the current. They had to step in, trusting that God would stop the flow of the water. The way to the future for you as a church requires faith. It requires stepping out. It requires you as a church to reach out and put your hand in the hand of God. So what do we take away this morning? Focusing on the Lord is essential. Consecrating yourself to the Lord is vital. But we must understand that we will never cross our Jordans without faith. Focusing on the Lord is vital. Fixing our gaze upon Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith is the only posture we are to take. Purifying ourselves. Choosing to be transformed, to be holy because he is holy. Is essential. But we only get to the other side of the Jordan with faith. The way forward is stepping out and placing our collective hand in the hand of God. So loved ones, should it seem good with the Holy Spirit? And should it be good with you? Daryl, the girls and I would be honored to live on mission and cross the Jordan with you. Let's pray. 
So here it is, Lord. We love you. You have always been faithful. And your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. So before you, Lord, we come surrendered. We come asking for your will to be done. Lord, we come asking you to do an amazing work among your people. So we commit ourselves to you. We praise you for all of the yesterdays. And we ask that you would use us to glorify you in all the tomorrows. And we pray all of this in the glorious name of our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.